Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to First Lieutenant Skyler Skipper, U.S. Marine Corps, and signatory on the Declaration of Military Accountability. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Thursday, February 22nd in the year 2024. We've got some events happening around the nation tonight, which is obviously, uh, it could be a solar flare that they're trying to false flag just to put a heads up for everybody. And that has to do with the cell phone coverage that's out that suddenly broke into news that everyone was being cyber attacked and so forth. Um, They want to turn this into a false flag, no doubt. They definitely want people to be thinking we're going to war with China or something. So the warmongers can't live without war. We know how that goes. But it looks more probable that it's a solar flare. And it's went from a level 2.6 to a level it's supposed to hit 6.8 or 6.4 tonight. So pretty intense. And it could be causing some disruptions. And, of course, like I said, the way they will narrate this is to try to bring us to a brink of war because they have nothing else to do than to try to get us to kill ourselves. So probably a good idea that we don't. Tonight, we have First Lieutenant Skyler Skipper, U.S. Marine Corps. I'm anxious to introduce him to you. He is a supply sergeant with incredible courage. He's a signatory on the Declaration of Military Accountability. And it's one of those things that I really want to highlight again and again, and you'll hear me talk about it in, in the show tonight, is that we keep looking for leaders, and I will tell you, don't look up to these senior brass of the military. Our leaders in the military ranks are those down below, and I think that speaks to most Americans. We're seeing a leadership rise up from the ground level organically. We're starting to see the true leaders of our nation. They're not where we would expect them to be, and it's good because this is the true heart of America and the patriots, and this First Lieutenant Skipper is one of these. He's got great courage. And he stood for what's right and did what's right, which is another great story and testimony to that end. So a couple of big things. I'll, I'll touch our sponsor in a minute, but this is the big news for tonight before we get going. We have been running our first round of funding for the, can, the campaign on Give, Send, Go for Bards Nation Ministry Flemingsburg Center. Now, to understand this, this was a goal of 20, we had a goal of 27500 And the attempt was to get that money in by today so that we could secure the property. There was a potential purchaser coming in tomorrow, and the owner really wanted us to be able to purchase this property. The terms have been incredible, but the first level of funding we needed to accomplish, $27,500. If you go to Give, Send, Go, you're going to say, oh, we only got to $20,863. Take a breath and be, be excited. Here's what's happened. We have raised $20,863, which is incredible, and I'm super excited. But we've doubled our goal. And the reason we've doubled our goal is because of, one, people that have been mailing in stuff. But we had a significant donor by the name of Wendy, and that's all the names she once released, 
who sent us $25,000 to make sure that we secured that property. So we have come together as a community and it's beautiful. And this was truly a God story. And it's, so we've got everybody pouring in, which I'm grateful for. And I don't want it, I don't want one donation to overshadow the donations that are here, but I just want to highlight that in the process of this is how God works. We have showing, like I said, $20,863, which is fantastic. And then to God just answered and, and on Wendy's heart, she said, um, Basically, she said, I, I was going to send 10, and then I was thinking 15. She said, God's blessed me, and God told me you needed 25. And then she said, I heard you said 25, so she knew that was it. So this money has all been pushed over, not the money out of Give, Send, Go yet. I haven't pulled any of that out yet. I'm going to, I'll start moving that over. All this money in there is going to the purchase of this property. You need to understand that. And we'll be doing a full accounting so you can see where that's at. And, and that'll be available if people have questions about it. I want to make sure we're very transparent about this. But we have, we have now secured the property. That's the big news. There is now, and they, I'll have Nikki post the picture whenever she's ready. She can post it, and you can find it on our social media sites. It says sale pending. So we have now secured the property of Flemingsburg, and I want to thank you very much. And I truly, truly want to do a prayer here, and then we'll talk about the next level of funding and kind of what's ahead for us. Okay, this is a big deal. So the first step we've accomplished, fantastic. And thank you, thank you, Jesus, for all of that. So let's do a prayer, just a blessing, and thank you. Thanks, our Father, for all of this. Father God, you, you've just shown us again that in the heart of Jesus, as we follow you and abide by you, all things are provided. And truly, that the objective, as difficult as it is at times, when we know that we have to accomplish certain objectives in money, our eyes can't be on the money, but have to be in our faith, trust, and full trust in you. And again, this is accomplished today. It was huge. We can't, we just are humbled, Father, because this opportunity that's come before us is something that's unprecedented. The offer that's been put before us is unprecedented. And all that's ahead of us now, we have time now to raise the balance and, and time to continue to raise the funds necessary to acquire this property and to move it into a full ownership into the Bars Nation ministry to bring a place where the tribes, the remnant tribes can assemble. We can build the place for the ecclesia and the governance and the fivefold ministry. So, and training in county by county. So, Father, we just humbled before you. We thank you. We raise our hands in praise and just are blessed by all that's been provided this week by the enormous outpouring of everybody and all their hearts from prayers to dollars. And we say these things in gracious humility in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, I, I just want to highlight some things here. Um, as I've seen some comments, and I want to just make sure we address these. I've said some people make comments like, if I if I don't have the money to donate, all we ask is prayers. That's it. I mean, they're literally, we need prayers more than anything on this project because this is God speaking. And so I also just want to make a blessing for all those that have been involved in prayers and all those that have been involved in in. Uh, donating. So just, Father, just want to thank you for everyone that's placed their prayers here and all, everybody as well that's donated financially to this. We just ask that you'll bless them and that this is a sowing in and that as we sow in with prayers, as we sow in with our heart, as we sow in with what we have as resources, we just want to thank you for all that's done here. And we just ask that that's returned sevenfold in their life to give them more blessings than ever and to lift up this community in such a fantastic way as we are faced with these challenges and come together to truly address something and an opportunity that's presented here as a kingdom opportunity. 
This is a property and a land that we are blessing and turning over to you, Father, that we will steward and we will steward well as a community and that we'll remain in kingdom control. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So, very excited. It's a huge deal. And it's just so many pieces have come together so quickly. Remember, we started this Sunday at 4 p.m. And we are now where we are today, which is fantastic. So just want to thank everybody. And we're going to continue to go. Now, what's next? So I'm going to keep the same give, send, go. Okay, we're not going to change it. Um, it's going to look all of a sudden kind of crazy because I'm going to change the goal amount. And the goal amount's going to go up to a total goal of 475000 Now, what's that about? This amount of money we secured was the agreed amount of money to secure the property and get it off the market. That money has gone into escrow. And then from here, we have a, a period of time. when It's a variable period of time. There's no fixed amount. Typically, escrow, you have 30 days. That's not the case here. We are going to be able to continue to raise money. And this is where Willie and I have agreed on until we get that amount in escrow to accomplishes that 475. So, Several months, I would say we should, uh, we'll try to target to have this done in three or four months to get that amount of money in there. And then what happens? And why 475? That's the amount that Willie's asked for to then to put the rest of the balance of the contract sale into a contract. And we'll, we'll carry that forward and there'll be a, a balance that we're working out in a proper way to do a, a more of a common law type contract. No banks involved, which will be fantastic, and we'll be able to move this forward in a great way. And the we'll have a we'll have about a decade to pay it all down. So this is about where we are. So this is a very very good thing overall. It's a God gift for all of us, and I'm very excited. And we'll just keep pushing forward on this, and it's truly a blessing. And and we just need to be excited and celebrate. And please keep your prayers up for this, and thank God for this opportunity. This is an amazing place. Two hundred eighty five. Literally 285 camping spots, all with hookups, a pavilion with space for over 400 people as stage, a green room, a barbecue area, which I've told you we're going to make a, we're going to formalize that even more, which is going to be called Sammy's Grill. It's going to be a big deal in honor of Jim's son, Jim Conley's son who died. And then the whole idea of building this rotational type ministry that's there where we are having two Bards Fests a year at least and then clinics regularly throughout the year and throughout every ideally a couple times a month so it's various things that we'll be doing we'll be working on county by county we'll be working on the five-fold ministry aspects we'll be working on stewardship of the land we're going to be working on all sorts of things and this is a center and a place that we can come to and people can gather, and that's the idea, and to inspire as well Bards Nation as communities and sub-communities within Bards Nation to go there, gather, pray. It is a holy space, and that's what we're creating there. It's a place to grow spiritually and to help expand that footprint of the church without walls and the true church of Acts within the country. So this is the goal. I think it's exciting, and I think it gives us a foothold that's truly amazing. So it's thank you so much for where we are and now we will ramp up to the next level of this and go into founding round number two and i'll put some updates up tonight including the picture on the give send go so you can see i'll put some new pictures up and i'll put the picture of the sale pending sign so you can see that exciting times thank you very much quick call out to one of our sponsors good sponsor if you're having trouble with debt, personal debt, and it's overburdening, and it can be. It's, it's a heavy sort of thing to live with. It weighs down on us. It keeps our minds distracted. It keeps us separated from God. 
this is what I'd tell you. We have a great sponsor. This is done with debt. So as you're trying to struggle through these moments and trying to deal with the, the heavy intensity of debts, if you're having that problem, overburdening your thoughts, t- taking sleep away, reach out to these folks. This is donewithdebt.com. The, they can become your lifeline very quickly. They have some really ingenious ways to work down debt. They're going to do an assessment of you. They're going to look at what types of programs you're available for. And they're going to use their negotiators to negotiate down interest rates and to get this under control. They're great folks. So and to try to do all of this without a loan and definitely without bankruptcy. So contact, done, just reach out to donewithdebt.com. Head on over and do donewithdebt.com. Many of these solutions are time sensitive, so take advantage of this time frame that they're up here and reach out to them and see how they can help you if you're struggling with debt. It's a great thing. So again, donewithdebt.com. Good thing all, all around. So with that great news we've had with the Bards Fest location, which is Mandolin Farms, and that picture today is Mandolin Farms with sale pending underneath it. It looked pretty good. For those of you who are at Bards Fest, you saw that sign coming in. And I, I think the minute I arrived there and in September, I was already having like five people come up to me. It's like, we need to buy this. It's like, okay, so we'll see what God does. Well, God is moving with us, and this is great. On to other things. We have a lot of stuff still to deal with in our world. This is a lot of unraveling. And as we're reminded in terms of what God's giving us for resources to heal a nation, which is Flemingsburg and working with us there in Mandolin Farms, we equally have many people that need healing and who are also standing up for what is right to try to lead the nation back. Most destructive thing we've dealt with, and I think ever in humanity, is this malicious injection, which continues to be something that nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a problem in the civilian side of this. We have increasing numbers of studies that are trying to point to it was bad, but more like it's bad, but kind of worse than we thought rather than saying how destructive it was. We don't have enough people pointing out to the number of people that have been killed or permanently disabled because of this injection. It's a horrible, horrible thing that's happened to the world, in particular happened to the United States. With that is our military that was boxed in to a large degree and pressures were placed upon these soldiers, airmen, seamen, and Marines to try to force them to take a shot using the leverage of command, persuasion, and at certain points, harassment techniques that are right up on the level of interrogation. And it's sick. It had happened. Our command in the military failed us, and it failed us miserably, and it doesn't have any accountability. And unfortunately, there is no culture of accountability left in our senior leadership in the military. This young man tonight you're going to hear from, he's a first lieutenant, Skylar Skipper. He's a U.S. Marine Corps uh, soldier, Marine soldier. Um, he is a signer on the Declaration of Military Accountability. When we talk about leadership in our military, we typically talk about that in terms of combat arms. That's what first comes to mind. People that are on the point of the spear fighting. And that would be, we'll just say ground. You can be infantry. You can be, you can be someone who's going to be working artillery, any of these sorts of things. Well, what we're finding in COVID, in this COVID con nonsense, and the pressures that were put upon people is leaders that are arising from unexpected places. 
supply is one of these areas in the, it never gets much notoriety in the military. It's the beans and bullets guys. These are the guys that make sure everything works, that never get any recognition. They drive through unbelievable times and, and do unbelievable missions at total risk to make sure that soldiers get what they need to keep the fight going. Whether it's a a emergency run to run ammo out in a helicopter and putting it in duffel bags and kicking them out the door in the middle of a firefight, or whether it's driving five-ton rigs loaded with equipment, food, and ammo through firefights and dangerous areas and IED alleys, they will do it because that's their mission. They are, they're really kind of a lot of the unsung heroes of our military. What we don't typically look at in supply is where we don't we don't typically look at them as leaders that we would point to and say, that's a great leader. And tonight you're going to meet one. First Lieutenant Schuyler Skipper is a supply person. It's what his specialty is. He's proud of it. He's done a great job. And his greatest fight, even though he's never deployed, his greatest fight has been here in America. That's not a good statement, but yet he's done it. And he's held the line and he's a strong Christian in his beliefs, and he's held the line, and he's brought to the Marine Corps a reminder that leadership, and he brings it to the entire military, that leadership doesn't have to be restrictive to combat arms. In fact, it's quite the contrary. That leadership is what's in the heart and what's right to do. Very impressive young man. So with that said, allow me to introduce you to Lieutenant First Lieutenant Schuyler Skipper, U.S. Marine Corps signatory on the Declaration of Military Accountability. During this whole point in time or a period of years, um, God used it to, I guess, rip the fabric of the Marine Corps away so I could rearrange my priorities um, and to give God, like, number one in my life um, because up until the point, um, I really walked away. I'd backslidden in my faith, um, and, you know, he he kind of came to the forefront when I had a problem. He was kind of like my cosmic genie, so to speak, and, you know, in case of emergency uh, type of thing, but he was around when, you know, the world started getting really crazy. Um, I had told God, I was just like, you know, hey, I realized I've walked away like um there's some discontentment in my life and really i want to come back and walk beside you uh and i said i'm a willing vessel uh so use me for whatever purpose you have in my life and uh just a series of events that unfolded when you know you turn your life over to christ uh there's no exception in my story uh, he began to use me in powerful ways. And, uh, yeah, as crazy as this sounds, even even back before I'd start all this, um, and this, this kind of gains relevance later in the story, but uh, I had, in October 2019, I'd showed up to TBS to start, uh, you know, my training, uh, going through the basic school. So it's, Essentially, you know, went through OCS, did the basic uh, officer training, and then went on to follow up training at the basic school. And as we're unpacking, um, 
And, you know, I had this really nice plaque I got from my first unit um, from Marines I worked with. And, you know, it was a huge EGA, had the blood stripe going down the middle. And I had wrapped that sucker up really nice and tight. You know, I would have thought it, it would have got over there unscathed. I even had it in the car separate from everywhere else, all the other stuff in the U-Haul. Um, but when I, I unwrapped it and went to hang it up, uh, the banner out of the Eagle's mouth, Semper Fidelis, was broken off. And I was pretty ticked off about it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how did this happen? Um, and then following that, uh, there was this little cross we found in the house we had previously. Um, had God growing a path, going across the short bar and loves you going down uh, the vertical part of it. And weirdly enough, I want to say it was like right after I discovered that happened to my plaque, I found that cross. It said, God loves you. And I was just like, you know, I didn't really understand the relevance of all that, but I really think this was like God, like foretelling a series of events where he would rip me away from the Marine Corps and that all the trust I'd put in the Marine Corps for the last, you know, six and a half years, like it, it was going to be broken and that God was going to uh, lead me through these trials and I totally forgot about both of those events until after we had gotten relief from the judge um, going through the lawsuit. But yeah, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so yeah, right before the mandate, um, when the Secretary of Defense really started uh, coming down with it, it was just like, hey, you're going to be inoculated by this date. Um, by, I believe it was uh, beginning of September. Um, at that point, I'd actually, I was in a Bible study group with um, the chaplain and some other guys in my command uh, that we just get together and, you know, take turns leading through scripture uh, each week. I, it was really me and the chaplain. We were switching off. Um. And I ended up going into uh, a study on Joseph before all this stuff started happening. Um, and just all of the struggles and trials Joseph had gone through uh, leading up to his ascension to second command. Um, but God had led me. It was interesting. He led me about halfway through that. And then we ended up moving on to something else. But it almost felt like a precursor of everything falling. And that was in May of 21. Patriots, I'm really excited today. We're going to welcome First Lieutenant Skylar Skipper, and he's in the Marine Corps. And he's a number, another signatory on the D Declaration of Military Accountability. Uh, this lieutenant is in supply, and I bring this up. He's not deployed, but he's now in the process of his greatest mission of his life as part of a small group of people, which you know, the 231. 231 people have stood up boldly resisting this war that's been waged upon our soldiers, our Marines, our airmen, 
to force them to take a vax. He's a man of God. He has found a greater strength in God in this whole way. And he is a, as a first lieutenant, has, as I've said many times, when we looked for leadership, we need to stop looking up. We need to start looking within the ranks. And here's an example of a first lieutenant that ultimately has more courage than many of the people I know that have deployed and many of the people that have years more in service and many more stripes, so to speak, of rank. So let me begin by welcoming you. Lieutenant Schuyler Skipper, how are you? Great, Scott. How are you? Great. It's an honor to have you on the show today. Why don't we start with a little bit about your MOS and how you got in the Marine Corps? Yep, absolutely. Um, so 3002, supply officer. Um, you know, nothing nothing glorious about that, but, you know, everybody needs supply. War runs off supply and logistics. We keep it going. Um, as far as how I, uh, started my Marine Corps career, um, it was one of those things like, I, I wasn't really looking for the Marine Corps and it just kind of found me, uh, you know, out, out of high school, I didn't think the military would ever be in the cards for me. Uh, but five years removed from high school, I'd, you know, done some college, uh, worked offshore, worked in a jail, the county jail. Um, and I just felt like I just wanted to get away from where I grew up, see something different. Um, and I'd started looking into military service. Actually, I was going to college to be a physical therapist, um, ran out of money. And I started looking into if the military had any kind of physical therapy type of MOSs. Um, unfortunately, with the with the Air Force recruiter, he said it'd be a long waiting list. And so I kind of left the office disgruntled. Uh, and the Marine Corps recruiter was directly across the way. He saw me leaving the office. And he's like, what a great opportunity to snag this kid up. So... I go out of the office and he finds me and we sit down and have a hour long conversation. He starts talking to me about the aviation community. I was just like, you know, well, that seems pretty cool. I could use that later on down the road. So, um, I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. So that was probably one of his easiest contracts. I just started filling out paperwork that day. Uh, and that, that's my story of enlisting into the Marine Corps did that for about six and a half years. Um, Ended up being inspired by a captain I worked under and decided like, hey, I want to lead more broadly, just kind of bigger picture. Uh, so I decided to pursue a commission myself. Um, I was the rank of sergeant. I put it in a package and I ended up getting it and ultimately going to supply school. Uh, and that's that's what leads me into where I'm at now currently, uh, first supply battalion. Uh, the the unit I'm currently at. Now you've had you've been moved around a little bit, right, in different units. Yeah, so the first unit I was at was uh, Marine Aviation Logistics Squadron Two Six, um, over in New River. And then very briefly, I went from there over to RS St. Louis. I had to do recruiting for like just a six month stint. Uh, and that's when I got selected and went to OCS and TVS before going to the unit I'm currently at right now. 
Talk us through a little bit about supply. It's the unsung heroes of the entire military, to be quite frank. As you said early on, without supply, nothing moves. Just give people kind of an idea of what that represents in terms of the mission set and how integrated and how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's supply, uh, I guess in a more broad sense, you know, we work hand in hand with maintenance guys, just ensuring that uh, we keep the unit as mission capable as possible. So, you know, guys are out there running their trucks, doing training exercises, all these different types of things. Uh, with that, naturally, things break down. Um, they need parts to repair assets within their unit or uh, really we're just facilitators to <clears throat> pull gear that they may need to conduct exercises and different things. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's a general idea. We're facilitators to ensure the unit has everything they need. Marine Corps, it's it's really always looked at as kind of the penultimate American Red Republic organization. Its loyalty is typically unquestioned. Its resolve to defend the United States is always on the tip of the spear. At least that's the shaping we have. How does that feel to you now that you've been through what you've been through? How do you see the Marine Corps in its profile in terms of what you've now been through with COVID? Uh, honestly, I mean, it's, I still love it. I still love what I do. Uh, it's, it's a necessary, uh, asset to national security. We, you know, we need it, you know, the Marine Corps proven time and time again, uh, that, you know, we're ready and able to go around the world and respond to whatever. Right. Um, but unfortunately, you know, I have concerns about obviously with this mandate and um, kind of political pressure from the top, honestly, that we, we've we kind of gotten a spot to where, um, you know, ultimately leadership in the middle feel like they can't stand up to what's right without reprisal or loss of their careers. Um, and that, that's just, it's been that way, I feel like for a bit, but especially with this, it was really exacerbated and it was very obvious that, you know, there was just nobody, you know, saying, Hey, are we sure about this? Is this lawful? Uh, because I can't tell you how many of us brought this up to leadership and we're like, Hey, we have legal concerns. Uh, on both the religious uh, exemption side and the uh, emergency youth authorization side. Um, and it was just, it was sad to see that, you know, we we gathered all this evidence, but it was kind of like just, they turned a blind eye to it. And it was just like ignored. We really didn't get much response on either front. And it was just... The process was pushed through 
uh, it's, especially we're just combination process was just they made a mockery out of the first First Amendment rights and the Constitution there. So let's walk through what happens then when you're in and we go back to the beginning of what I openly refer to as the COVID con. We've got this threat that comes in. Obviously, we start going into masking. So start there. Talk us through it. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was just really strange. Um, I was in TBS when they originally started. What's um, TBS? Uh, the basic school. So it's it's a school directly after officer candidate school that uh, we go through. So I really just kind of go more into uh, tactics and uh, just everything Marine Corps that and you should know to be an officer, like on a basic level. Um, so, yeah, that was over in Quantico, Virginia. Um, so, yeah, they, they started up the masking. And, you know, at first I, I gave myself a little bit too much credit, like it was, you know, my gut or intuition or whatever. But looking back, um, I know it was the Holy Spirit, like, you know, stirred within me, like, hey, this is not right. Something is going on. Um, there's just some, something's just wrong with all this and how they're approaching it with the masking and everything. Um, and interestingly enough, I feel like this was God warning me in a sense. I just so happened during the quarantine, I watched this docu-series. It was like Inner Evolution. And they, they actually talked about messenger RNA, what roles it had in the body, uh, and all these different sorts of things. And so I was, when they had talked about rolling out these shots, that was immediately a reference point in my mind of just like, oh, wow, okay. Whatever they're doing, it's, I feel like it's sinister in nature, just having that understanding as well. So from there, you were, you went into these initial processes. At what point then did they start rolling out, start talking about the vaccine and, and start talking about the mandates? Yeah, so it was actually a good bit later. So that was like right at the height of the pandemic, uh, at the start of it. So from there, I went to my unit to do on-the-job training. Um, they haven't They hadn't classed up supply school even yet uh so i ended up going to supply school it was october of 2020 and i graduated january of 2021 that's when they started talking about how they were going to be rolling out shots um but it hadn't been mandated at that point uh it, it wasn't mandated until september of 2021 is when the secretary of defense's um uh, memorandum came out on uh, mandating the shots. And that's when they began talking about, okay, well, you can do a religious accommodation uh, at that point. So how did you proceed? And then what was, what was your blowback on that? Uh, so I did a few things uh, right around the end of August. Um, I'd already started digging into, I'd seen the FDA documentation out there. 
uh, on the legally distinct nature of what they had. Uh, so I'd emailed leadership. I'd emailed legal entities within on Camp Pendleton. Um, but then as persequent evictions would have it as well, I submitted a religious accommodation. Um, the way I viewed it was, hey, this is a desecration um, of the temple uh, and putting this in my body when when I know that this will cause potentially cause harm to me and that I'm a steward of that. And that was um, a basis of having personal convictions against it. And so I made a decision to submit that. Um, I actually did it at the end of August before they had officially given us the order uh, to take the shot at the beginning of September. And the command received all this well, or what was your what was their general position on this? Uh, I, I mean, I think they were annoyed to even have to go through the process. Um, but ultimately, I did at one point. I was talked to um, by my CEO. It sat me down and and said, you know, you know, this person thinks it's okay. This person thinks it's okay. And he had talked about, I think it was a few evangelical type. I can't remember exactly who even mentioned, but, you know, he had kind of wanted to be like, hey, are you sure about doing this? Uh, I don't think it's nothing, anything's wrong with this uh, from a religious standpoint. You know, I just told him, you know, like my convictions were solid and, you know, I wasn't going to go in another direction. Um, but as far as the persecution goes, um, there wasn't a lot of sit down type of coercive type of things with me, particularly, uh, they had, they kind of made me feel degraded and, what my responsibilities would have been as a first lieutenant. Uh, they did fire me from my position um, after I submitted the accommodations and had gone through the entire uh, religious accommodation process. So it was denied initially um, at the end of September. I appealed in October and received a final denial in December. And that's when the, the adverse action started happening. Um, I was removed from my spot over at uh, the supply section um, and brought into operations where, yeah, they sat me in the room with junior enlisted. I had a microwave on this sitting right next to me on this busted table with a busted chair. Um, and they were attempting me to get like to do tasks that lower enlisted would have been in charge of doing. I mean, it, they just really, I felt very isolated. Um, it, and that was really, that was really rough because I prided myself into doing good work uh, for the Marine Corps, of the unit. Um, but that was like taken from me. There were days where, you know, I would leave around 1400 because they had nothing 
nobody even came up to me to give me any kind of tasking for the day. And, you know, I would just leave and, and go home. And I was just pretty much, they told me, it's like, you're, you're on a clock. You're going to get separated, you know, all these things. Um, so that was, that was a very difficult period to go through for sure. And so I, I was relieved of my position uh, the beginning of 2022 how is how all that played out. Um, and then that at that point, that's where I'd heard about Liberty Council uh, and the work they were doing with um, uh, really all branches at that point. And uh, I reached out to them at the beginning of January when when I got fired, I was just like, hey, I don't know if you guys can do anything. Like, I feel like separation's imminent for me. Um, and I sent them all my documentation. Uh, and then they looked at it because their court case had been, been ongoing from October of 2021 up until that point. So the case was already rolling. Um, but I sent them everything I had and they're like, wow, they're moving fast on you. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and they're like, actually, you would be a perfect candidate to come on this lawsuit with us. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's a pretty big thing. Let me let me think on it and pray about it. Um, interestingly enough, the following Sunday, I was at church and we were going through a series in David. Uh, and of course, it's the story of David and Goliath, right? Um, you know, pastors talking about it, heard the story hundreds of times. Uh, but the pastor and I prayed like, you know, God, show me if this is for me. You know, I I will tell him I'm all about it. But if it's not, you're just going to have to show me. Um, and the pastor was going through that sermon and he said, you know, David got David knew that God could take down Goliath, but David still had to pick up the stone and throw it. And that pierced my heart, and I knew that that was for me. That one sentence just reverberated. It was just like, yep, you know, this is for you, and I want you to go back and tell them you're going to be a plaintiff on this case. And so I went back. I talked to some of the attorneys there. I'm like, yeah, hey, sign me up, um, you know, and... uh I became a plaintiff officially at that point. How did that change things? Uh, so my command found out and they really didn't mess with me too much as far as bringing me in a room and, and talking to me one-on-one. -on -one. Like that was really non-existent. Um, it was really kind of just back to that being isolated type of uh, environment for me, um, you know, and that was the worst. And they wouldn't tell me when they wouldn't give me updates of how the separation process was, e was even going, uh, really the only other thing I heard from them after I, uh, was represented by Liberty council was in February, I did have to sign more paperwork. It was like a report of misconduct, uh, and an acknowledgement of, the beginnings of administrative separation. 
Um, so, you know, I acknowledged those and I rebutted uh, both of those uh, documents because um, I just felt like, you know, they, it's like as soon as the, they denied the Religious Accommodation Act, like I was just a refuser the way um, some of the wording on the documents were, it was just like, okay, you're not acknowledging that I have personal convictions. You're just saying like, hey, this conduct on becoming of, a, of an officer, um, you, you know, refuse to comply to the follow-up order <clears throat> after the denial of your um, religious accommodation is the way they, they put it. The religious accommodation, as we've come to learn, was not taken very seriously, or let me put it a different way, was just about carte blanche rejected initially across the entire service. And that seems to be a significant point of contention in the legal actions here is that the rights of a religious objection were not, or religious accommodation weren't honored. And yet now if we go to say a base over in Germany, as the reports are coming out, if somebody says that they're part of a Valhalla religion, they're allowed to grow their beard, grow their hair long, whatever. So there's an obvious discrimination going on for a, a class of people it's are seeking religious exemption. And from what I've been taking in interviews, that seems to be exclusively those that are seeking accommodation based on faith in Christianity. Have you come across that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I get the same um, feeling there. And just really, we were kind of filling it out in the beginning, and I don't think the attorneys really wanted to touch it much at first, but then they started realizing like how blatantly it was just rubber stamped. RIFRA has, you know, there's an expectation that every single religious accommodation is viewed on individual basis and case basis. Uh, and that just absolutely wasn't the case. Um, it was blanket denials. Literally every, every other Marine uh, that I saw that submitted a, an accommodation they had the exact same verbiage on their denials as mine. And so we all we all started to realize that and we're like, wow, okay. You know, it's it's really blatant. Um, just denial. And there's they're not even looking at our packages um or even considering anything. So yeah, that was that was that became apparent after the first few months of the process. How did this affect your family and your family time and things like that? Uh, we were pretty distraught. Um, it was an emotional roller coaster. It was just like, and especially since the command didn't uh, keep me up to date on where the process was even at. So we were completely in the dark. Um, you know, we, we actually ended up buying an RV uh, in October of 21. Because I was just like, I don't, you know, we could be homeless soon. Um, and, you know, they're not letting us know. They're not even giving us a timeline of, you know, when we're going to be cut loose. And it may take a month or two to find more work. It was just, you know, very, it created a lot of anxiety um, as far as like, you know, hey, how do we uh, transition well? Um, that, that opportunity wasn't really afforded to us. Um, 
yeah, and just where we were at financially at the time. Um, yeah, people could argue it's like, man, I could really look at that and be like, you know, feel like you you wouldn't have much wiggle room there. And it's like, you know, why didn't you just go ahead and submit to it and all these things? Um, but I knew I was called not to. And that was just an additional layer on uh, on top of everything. We're just like, well, you know, we're, we're totally putting our faith in God because uh, my wife was also just starting up her uh, business. Um, so we, you know, we invested heavily in that. So we just had all these things going on. Um, and uh, yeah, so there was a lot of pressure uh, going through this for sure. What was the resolve of the legal case or is it still pending? Uh, so it ended up getting dismissed in May of last year. They dismissed a lot of these as moot. Um, but it played a very important role in uh, helping a lot of good Marines stay in. And that's that's really where my story got very interesting. Um, so as we were sitting there in the dark on all of these things, uh, you know, Tom was going past, and in the court case, there were individuals who hadn't lost their positions yet, and the commands would go to strip them of their billets, uh, and then the judge would rule on those individuals' cases like, you know, hey, absolutely not. You leave them in their position, uh, and he would give individuals like preliminary injunctions, so halting adverse uh, actions on some of the other guys in the case. But we, what we were really shooting for the entire time was to make it a class action uh, judgment from uh, the court because we're all similarly affected by this. Um, we're all, you know, moving toward separation. It wasn't just the plaintiffs in the case. And that was the argument we were the attorneys at Liberty Council continually kept making um, but I was, I was past that point. I'd already been taken out of my position and I was just, we were just kind of sitting there waiting to get separated. And so that's, that's where it got really, uh, interesting for us. Um, because it was, it was about mid July when me and my buddy actually had another Lieutenant that was in the exact same position. He wasn't on the case. Um, but mid-July, our EXO had texted us both, and he's like, hey, I want you guys to come in tomorrow morning at 08. And I'm like, oh, man, here it is. So kind of just bracing for it. I'm like, how much time are they going to give us to move our families away? And all of these, this, all these thoughts were just rushing through my head. Uh, but then we go up there, and it was kind of weird. He's just like, actually, guys, never mind. I don't need you right now. I'll call you back when I have something else. Uh, and coming to find out what, what they did, and this was a strategic play on their part, they actually had my separation letter at that point. Um, and I realized this because when I got it two weeks later, it was dated for mid-July. Um, so on my separation letter, they he calls me back in on August 
uh, second and um, excuse me, August 3rd. And he's just like, all right, he sets us down and then he serves us with a separation letter. And I'm reading it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, here it is. But what I realized was our new EAS date was August 5th. So they, they literally gave both me and the other lieutenant a two-day notice to pack up our family, do all our checkout procedures, and get off Camp Pendleton. And I was beside myself. I'm like, you know, I've seen drug pops get, you know, five days. These kids in the barracks, you know, they have a couch for their TV and their PlayStation um, to execute all this. But I got two days. And so at that point, I was, I, I, let, I went in there first. I left his office. Then my buddy goes in to get his talk. So I'm sitting there. I, you know, I'm scanning all my photo or these documents, uh, using my phone and forwarding to my attorney. I was just like, Hey, they're coming down on me. I don't know if there's anything you can do, but I've got two days. Um, so from there, our XO proceeds to walk me and this other Lieutenant around, like, you know, we're five years old to check out. Uh, he pretty much followed us everywhere all day, but it was, it was such a divine thing because, um, well, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. So my attorneys ended up filing all his documents with the court. Um, and the very next day, the judge issued a temporary restraining order for myself. And like, you're not, you're not firing this Marine. I want to have a hearing on this. And it was scheduled for August 10th. Um, so going back to my buddy, right? We were walking around together with the XO. He was taking us everywhere. Uh, and at the hearing, or a few days before the hearing, I talked to my buddy. And I'm like, he had been separated at that point because he wasn't a plaintiff. So he ended up executing the separation orders on August 5th. But it served as, it was great because he was able to corroborate everything I was able to say in the hearing because I'd asked him to come on as a witness. And he's just like, yeah, absolutely. So me and him are sitting in front of the judge, the defense, and our attorneys, and we're telling our stories and all the discrimination that had occurred to both of us uh, in the two-day notice and all these things. Um, and, you know, I'd sat there. I'd been cross-examined by the defense a little bit. Uh, but they weren't making any really great arguments with how like egregiously unfair the two-day notice was. Um, and we'd given our testimony. Our attorneys talked with the judge uh, about how this whole process worked. Um, and then from there, the judge is like, okay, I think I've heard everything I need to hear. And he's like, I'll, I'll have an order on this hearing you know, shortly. Um, so nine days later, you know, I, I get a call from my attorneys and they're like, 
hey, so the the judge thinks this should be a class-wide uh, action at this point, and he's issuing a preliminary injunction for the entire Marine Corps. So all separations ceased at that point. And the date on that again? That was August 19th of 2022 is when he wrote that order. The hearing was on August 10th. So your efforts there in the true sense of David and Goliath, your efforts there were precipitous to all of that happening. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it was kind of funny, too, because my buddy at that point, he had said it one. He said, I want to say a few months back, he was ready to get out. He's like, I'm so tired of dealing with this stuff. He's just like, I want to get out. Um, and he's just like, you know, it would be funny if we get it both get exactly what we want. I'm like, we're on the same timeline. She's like, that's, that's impossible. That's not going to happen. And, uh, sure enough, he, he was able to get separated and, you know, I'd stayed in and had sat, sat in on that hearing and, uh, yeah, led to a class-wide injunction. Um, and I was, I was looking through all these dates and, you know, I wanted to really bring out some of the spiritual or divine little appointments throughout this whole experience that, you know, God had given me. And so I started going to seminary that summer as well. And I ended up being in a systematic theology class. Uh, and I was finishing up my finals and I did my doctrinal sermon literally a week before I got the two day separation notice. And I did that doctrinal sermon on Joseph and the introduction, the main point of that paper was, you know, oftentimes in some of our, you know, gravest circumstances, we want to call an audible when God is right there and he's leading us through something. Uh, and, you know, we get all bent out of shape and we're like, God, your plan is not working. Like I'm, I'm ready to bail. Um, and I just use Joseph as, you know, it's just such a great story of God's providence, uh, taking Joseph through all the things that he went through, um, to bring him to a higher place. And I would have never guessed that God had this in store for me. It's like, you know, you, God is going to use you and your willingness to be at the right place at the right time. Granted, I didn't do a lot of work. Um, you know, all the great attorneys at Liberty Council did, but God had that divine appointment for those events to carry out the way they did. And all I had to do was be a willing vessel. And I think a lot of times that's really all God is asking us to do is just to be willing. I think that's a good word. That's a very good word. Yeah. Let's talk about leadership because you've demonstrated strong leadership. Leadership takes many roles. We have the principle of leadership in kind of the Hollywood sense of pointing the spear, leading the troops into the charge. But at the end of the day, leadership is more about moral character. It's being willing to stand for the right things at any cost. And this was where I began today's interview with you and, and what I've talked about on the show since I've heard your story 
So we typically look to those leadership occupational specialties more in the combat arms. And it's not to diminish anything where you are in supply or anything else like that, but that would be where our eyes would go to first, and that's partly because of the stories that come out of war. But in this particular fight, where our enemy is domestic, our enemy is infiltrated, it's amazing because in this story, and again, I could equally tell fantastic stories of supply people that save soldiers' lives through fire and gunfire and all this in Afghanistan, but you're doing something more profound, in my opinion, because you're standing as a leader in the midst of everybody turning against you, and you're having to demonstrate something to others when no one else will stand. And you're standing up to command, which is even harder. And I would add another layer to that. I think it's even harder in the core because of the culture of being obedient to the nth degree. The core's philosophy, ultimately, as I would very simply frame it is charge the hill and don't question. And yet you stood against that tide. Talk a little bit about that in your philosophy, but also in what you witnessed in leadership, because the question we all have to face at this point in time is a profound one. And it's at the core of the DMA, which you're a signatory on, which is what has happened to our leadership, because it's not here. We have literally every single GO in our, in our military has violated the law. That's unprecedented. And you're part of a small group of people that are standing up and saying, we're going to hold you accountable. And not only that, but you're a first lieutenant, which is 01, and we're going up against 07, 08, 09. And you have the courage to do so and say, this was morally incorrect. It was legally wrong. And I'm going to stand for what is right. Go ahead. Yeah, it the really how it all played out was pretty remarkable. Not in a great way, obviously. Um because I would have thought I would have had some more backing from somebody. I'm like, surely, you know, somebody within, you know, feel great officer, uh even somewhere, you know, that that middle tier leader, uh, you would have had some of those guys like, and we do, but there was very few um, that said, hey, this this is wrong. Um, and it was, it was really a sad sight to see because, you know, even amongst my peers, um, I was treated differently. It was almost immediately like, you know, you really, it's like you really start to see what people's true colors are. Um, you know, they just weren't, I wasn't treated the same as I'd been before. Like I'd walk up to a group of my peers um, and it would just get awkward for both me and the other first lieutenant um, that were going through this. And just another piece of it was, you know, okay, a lot of leadership, they lead, um, they lean heavily into, you know, the JAG Corps, right? So you have these um, officers within the legal community that are supposed to direct or, you know, advise commanders on what's legal, what's not. 
that was really for me the most frustrating thing because I'd went to um, the defense services office about some of these matters. I'd sent emails um, to other legal entities on both in both Camp Pendleton and even headquarters of Marine Corps about some of these concerns. And it was just like, we were pretty much ignored. And so that was, that was what really baffled me. It's just like, okay, we're surely the right people to reach out to are the people, people within um, the legal specialities, right? Um, but it's almost like they, they will walk, you know, hand and foot with what top leadership is going to want to see happen. Why um, so is this, why is this happening? Why do you think this is happening? I think ultimately, you know, when, so the um, political pressure coming from the top says, hey, this is going to happen. Um, it, you know, that rolls downhill and then it it becomes, again, like people working for their career, working for an evaluation. They don't want to go, they, they don't want to be the guy going against the current because it's going to affect their career. Um, it's just like, well, hey, you know, you start making riffs, uh, you're not going to have a good evaluation. Uh, and that that was really disheartening with, you know, we all swear to the Constitution of the United States and to see, you know, I think one, a lot of people are, you know, they're empty words and they're ignorant to what the Constitution even says. Um, and I think they have this mindset of like, okay, well, if top leadership says this is good to do, good to go, it's good to go, and they don't do any digging or any kind of research into it either. So I think there's a lot of things at play. Um, but yeah, that was that was really where I was disheartened when the legal community wouldn't even, and I brought in, you know, I was giving them, you know statute codes and all these different things of like, Hey, this is where we're going sideways here. This is where we're breaking the law and bring in like, you know, source documents from, you know, Pfizer or, you know, all these other pharmaceutical manufacturers on like, Hey, this is all EUA. Um, and then of course, how they were handling these exemptions. I'm like, you guys are supposed to look at this on an individual basis but yeah it it was pretty wild and um this was another really crazy thing that happened through this entire journey uh i was pretty distraught you know and i was going to seminary for counseling the professors encouraged me to seek out uh counseling myself um so i did that um, and I went through, I don't know, have you heard of EMDR, that process at all? No, I don't know that. Go ahead. Um, essentially, it's it's a technique they use. They actually use it with a lot of um, vets as well with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and essentially, it's, it's a way to help individuals reprocess their traumas. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, but essentially, I sat down with a counselor 
and went through this and, you know, I told her about all this persecution I was going through and very new to me. Um, so we sat down, went through the process and essentially, um, it's, it's like eye movement, desensitization, uh, reprocessing. So it kind of simulates like REM sleep while you're awake. Uh, so she's taking me through this process and every 30 seconds she would stop. Hey, ask, what did you see? Because it's like, you might see something in your head or hear some words or whatever going through this process. And I thought it was pretty crazy at first. I'm like, oh, okay, this seems a little weird, but you know what? I'm open to it. Uh, so I was going through this process and it, it came out like visuals for me. Um, I kind of visioned myself back at the battalion, right? And I'd saw myself with this megaphone and I was trying to tell everybody like, hey, look, this, everything you're doing is wrong. It's illegal. Um, but nobody, nobody could hear me. And so, you know, I see myself getting discouraged and I end up in the room to where they, they had sent me after they fired me from my position. And the only time anybody would talk to me was when they wanted, uh, they were summoned me to sign more negative paperwork. And then from there, it got really symbolic. I saw myself like teleport to the side of this mountain in Camp Pendleton. And I see myself ascending this mountain. My clothes are torn. I'm dirty. And it's like the mountain is charred and burnt. It's like freshly burnt. And so I'm like going out this mountain. Um, and I make it to this oasis. And I replenish myself. And then I'm on the last leg of this trip. And I make it to the peak. And I go over the other side. There's nothing but green grass as far as the eye can see. There's like a, a spring-fed stream going through the middle of this pasture I'm in. And I immediately lay in the grass, and I feel at rest and at peace. And then I have some individuals that had gone through this whole thing with me um, come up to me and, you know, say, like, hey, it's so great you're here. And, you know, I immediately just wanted to know, well, hey, where's everybody else at? And they're like, don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about them anymore. They're not here. Uh, and then that's about where the session ended. And I was just like, God, what, what was that? Because it seemed like a vision, but at the same time, I'm like, this is insane. Nothing like this has ever happened to me. You know, I grew up Southern Baptist. So <laughs> I was just like, uh, what was that? And interestingly enough, I went back home and uh, at, at my church, we have these life group sessions. We do homework. So whatever we the sermon was for the week, we look over additional scripture and go over questions. And I sit down, just walked in the door, open, open the app. I go to the homework. And the first set of scripture was Psalm 23. It's like, I'll lead you to lay down in green pastures. You know, I'll lead you beside the still waters. You know, I'll take you through the valley to the shadow of death. And right there, I knew it was God confirming to me. It's just like, 
this is what I just took you through. You know, you went through all this persecution. Um, but now's the time for rest. And interestingly enough, you know, I've, I've been at rest for the past year and now I've even had convictions, you know, about the rest of these vaccines. I've put in another exemptions like, you know, Hey, I don't feel good about putting this in my body. And they, they haven't moved against me again. Um, and I know it really went off on a tangent there, but I just felt like that was really important with, uh, to mention uh, with my story, because this has really been God walking beside me daily and giving me everything I've needed to hear for every point of just, you know, feeling discouraged, feeling down, uh, delivering me from administrative separation, like right before, you know, they came down and took away everything I've worked for for the past decade. No small thing. No small thing at no, all. And not. I think that's one thing that is important for people to appreciate. It's hard sometimes because the dedication into the service, as you well know, is that you're dedicating your life into whatever that job is. And it's it's not just the job, it's the service to a country and it's a service of a mission to protect and defend. And this particular war has been ruthless because it's been enemies domestic and infiltrators and weak command that has allowed it to precipitate and persist, um, it would be the better word. So as we kind of wrap this down, what's out of all of this, what's this leading you to and what do you see is coming up next? Because you mentioned seminary. Is that where you're going now? Uh, yes, I've been pursuing a degree on counseling. But I, I think God is, he wants me he has me where he's got me for a reason. Um, and I know the story you read off of me praying into like, hey, should I sign the DMA? Uh, specifically speaking, the, the encounter with Arthur Pulowski, uh, the pastor um, up in Canada and how all of that happened. Um, and, you know, his message to me essentially was, hey, you know, 2024 is the year we have to be as bold as lions. You know, we're sons and daughters of the Lion of Judah, uh, and we have to name names, and we have to, yeah, be bold. We cannot be victims. We This is the year for us to be victors in this, and God is with us. Um, it was... It was really interesting for me, too, because me as a first lieutenant, all this happened during the time where I was supposed to, I'd have the opportunity to prove my worth and accept career designation. And that essentially means like, hey, is this guy good enough within his MOS uh, to stay in indefinitely? Uh, so I'd gone through a kind of a low point of after I had been, you know, held by the courts, um, but I'd been passed over for career designation to stay in the first time. 
And I'm sitting there like, you know, God, what was the point of all this? Like, you took me through all this. You put me on hold. The timing couldn't have been worse because I, you know, I'm, I got passed on two boards that I would have needed to stay in. So even at that point, I honestly thought I was getting out this January. So last month. Um, I'm like, surely they're not going to take me after all of this trouble I've caused. Um, but there was another board at the end of 2023, another career designation board, uh, you know, and, and I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, there's no chance of me sticking around. Um, and I was actually in, I was taking professional photos uh, for an agency that I was working with on helping me transition out of the Marine Corps because I thought that's where it was going. And literally a minute before I went up and took the picture, I'm sitting there looking in a mirror, I'm in a suit, and I'm just like, man, this just does not feel like me. Um, I just, you know, I hate that I'm moving on. It's like, God, is this really what you want me to do? And before I went up and took that picture, I got a phone call uh, from my executive officer, which at that point, they moved me TAD to uh, CLB1. And he called me and he's just like, hey, Skipper, you're you're on the roster. You've been selected for a career designation. You could stay in the Marine Corps. And that was another instance that just absolutely blew my mind. And I'm like, God just coming through and making a way and opening doors where it seemed like everything was locked up and it was a dead end and there was no hope. Um, and ju it's just God's providence again and again. And, you know, I'd prayed up on it, you know, even after really right before that, I'm like, you know, God, what do you have for me? And he's just like, I didn't take you this far to put your sword down. And, you know, one thing has led to another with everything that's been put in, in front of me, moving on from, you know, when I was supernaturally, you know, held on and retained a day before I was, you know, supposed to be administratively separated. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, it's, it's definitely a story where, and I think everybody that's been in this process has found a deeper relationship with God. I don't think there's any other way through it, and no question about it. Is there any website or anything you want people to be drawn to in this? Uh, nothing in particular. I just, I, w I really want to say, um, really for, for those out there, especially running in our circles, you know, a lot, a lot of individuals, you know, are Christians. Um, and I don't know, I, I know this is for somebody that's going to listen to this, but, um, you know, if you're a Christian and you're sitting on the fence, you need to get off and pick your side. Um, this is not a time to kind of check things out and see how things are moving. Uh, if you're one of God's children, you need to be bold. It's time to be bold and walk with God every day. You know, I really thought I was, you know, a strong individual on my own will, 
but there, there are certain times um, in our lives and throughout history that require extraordinary action. Um, and there's no reason we should do that on our own, like bearing the burden through natural means is, is too much. Like you need to lean into Jesus. His burden is light and fully depend on him. And he'll walk with you every step of the way. And we've got to realize we're, we're in a supernatural spiritual battle. Um, we're not just fighting in the natural. We can't win in the natural strictly. We have to take action, but we've got to lean into Christ. Because that's the only way we're going to make um, the impact we're shooting for. It's, it's going to be divine. Those are good words. We always close with a prayer. If it's okay with you, I'm going to do a prayer. Yep, absolutely. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time we've had today with Lieutenant Skyler Skipper and just again a, another reminder of the power that you bring into this fight and the, the need for us to lean into you and trust in you in this battle, truly to maintain our armor, but also to be able to stand. And sometimes standing is the fight as you fight those battles with us, through us, and for us. Father, I just want to re bless as well all those that have heard this today, to just hear the inspiration of what it is to have to stand against everything and to give up everything and to be willing to sacrifice everything. Too much that we, we are in right now are people that are willing to say they're in the fight intellectually spin the wheels of being in the fight, but not being able to step in and make the full sacrifices of what that means, being willing to literally lay it all down. And so, Father, this is yet another story from the DMA, the Declaration of Military Accountability, that reminds us of everybody that's on that list has been willing and has had to lay it all down, everything, to the risk of putting their families on the street, to the risk of sacrificing everything that stood for and no matter where people are, this is what we're asking again to have that spirit that no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've walked, this is the hour to lay it all down. And this story today is a reminder of that. So we just want to bless Lieutenant Schuyler Skipper and his family and continue to protect them, provide them for all they need and guide them forward here. And it's a reminder that it doesn't matter where you sit on the ranks of anything or in your life. That when you call us, we have to step in. And when you call us and we stand in, great things happen. So bless him, guide him, and let us all hear this message for the strength that it is and the strength in the heart of David. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Appreciate your time. It's a good story. You've got a good testimony, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Wish you the best. Stay in touch. And like all things, if you need anything, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks God, again, Scott. You bet. God bless you. Take care. Patriots, that was Lieutenant, First Lieutenant Schuyler Skipper, U.S. Marine Corps, a signatory on the Declaration of Military Accountability. A reminder that it doesn't matter where you sit in rank or in job position, and in the end of the day, it's always doing what's right and the righteousness of the fight. 
this lieutenant has more courage than many people I know in much senior ranks and have been in for much longer to stand up to the system and again do what was right to set the example and to do what was right by God. So just keep him in his in your prayers and we have others in the DMA that will come on and tell similar stories and it's just the same thing again and again. This is the true fight of David versus Goliath and we all need to be in that fight, all need to be willing to lay it all down because this is how we ultimately win. I think the last point here I just want to read is a word that was given this morning and uh, I just think it's on point to really where we are here. It says, and this was sent to me this morning, actually, you must trust. You must trust me completely. This lesson has to be learned. You shall be helped. You shall be led and guided continually. The children of Israel would have entered the promised land much earlier, but their doubts and fears continually drove them back into the wilderness. Always remember that doubts cause delay. Are you trusting everything to me or not? I have told you how to live, and you must do it. My children, I love you. Trust my tender love. It will never fail you, but you must learn not to fail. Oh, if you could see, you would understand. You have so much to learn about driving out fear and being at peace. All your doubts hinder my work. You must not doubt. I died to save you from sin and doubt and worry. You must believe in me absolutely. Good word. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest depth. Oh. Get back in my